one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, welcome back to the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Uh, Today, we're talking to a couple people around dispatch and just how imp- impactful dispatch uh, operations are to a school bus transportation operation. So today we have Alfred Karam and Belinda Govich. Um, welcome to both of you. Thanks for joining us uh, early on, a, at least for me, early 7 a.m. on a Friday morning. Um, but thank you for both agreeing to do this. Uh, I, I kind of follow Al on uh, LinkedIn. You know, there's tons of good people on LinkedIn. They share a lot of their um, you know, good successes that are on there. So Al had shared just about their dispatchers and, and how good they were doing this year. And I know that all of us have been um, really struggling, right, to keep keep drivers, but also get them to show up to work every day. And so that's, you know, trying to minimize the impact there. So good morning. How are you both? We're doing well, Jason. And thank you so much for the invite. Uh, we, we appreciate that. And uh, looking forward to sharing uh, our thoughts uh, with you, uh, and your audience. Yeah, appreciate it. So just uh, you, were, you were sharing kind of pre-show that school just wrapped up. So I think we're like late June. Is that typical for, are you guys in New York? Is that where you're at? Uh, indeed, yes. Late June uh, typically is the wrap-up for us uh, this week. Uh, graduation for the high schooler is later on this afternoon. Uh, and uh, for us, uh, you know, while the school year is over and graduation is happening, uh, we're hot and heavy into uh, getting ready for summer school to start, which is around the corner. Okay. And, and where kind of where in New York, like geographically, I guess, are you? Yeah. So uh, uh, we are in Clifton Park, New York. Uh, Clifton Park is located 13 miles north of Albany, New York, which is the capital of the state of New York. And If you're still not familiar with New York, we are about 133 miles north of New York City, directly north. Okay. I've never been to New York, but, I mean, I kind of get the idea of the map, so that works out. Um, So just kind of how how did you both get into transportation? I'll uh, let my colleague here go first, (laughs) and then I'll come back in. Um. So I started 18 years ago. I started as a bus driver. Someone suggested it to me. Um, I had just started a family and wanted to be home a little bit more, but still wanted to work uh, as well. So someone suggested driving a school bus. Uh, Started there. Uh, Absolutely loved it. It was um, probably the best decision I made. It was was truly, truly enjoyable. Uh, From there, I started in New Jersey driving a school bus there. And then... um, Several years later, moved to New York, uh, up here, uh, started at Shenandoah as a bus driver. Then from there, I became um, a bus driver trainer. So I would train other people uh, to drive the school buses and then became a 19A certified examiner, which let me uh, able to examine them, how they drove the school buses and test them uh, 
if you will, and then went into the dispatch office and routing. And then most recently, I am uh, August 1st will be the assistant transportation director. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's a it's a good story, right? And obviously, <laughs> I think that it it explains that people can that there is a path to a career, you know, a career in student transportation. I think a lot of people get in as bus drivers and kind of fill it in as a in between job or something that you know just pays a bill short term. But I think for the people that really love it, right, they can they can make their way into you know into a good setting that is uh, is career worthy for sure. And Al. Yeah, so uh, my, my journey started years ago. Uh, I joined the uh, United States Marine Corps in 1974, and uh, transportation was my uh, occupational specialty. And, of course, I, as I uh, grew up in the Marine Corps, I had spent 25 years uh, gained rank and responsibility. Um, uh, I got to do a lot of things that senior transportation managers out here in the civilian world uh, would do. Uh, uh, you know, being responsible, uh, being a leader of large uh, uh, trucking organizations, if you will, uh, running maintenance shops, engineer shops um, at the uh, not only at the platoon, but company, battalion uh, uh, level uh, and uh, regimental operations chief. So uh, I had a lot of experience in, in transportation logistics. And uh, I made sure while I was in the military, I got my class A. And, and you know, he, here's the thing about school transportation. For me, it did not exist in my mind. And, and, I, and I've often thought about that in that it's still a hidden gem for a lot of people that can actually get into this uh, profession uh, and, and, and do well in it. Um, so uh, when I got out in 99, uh, I retired. Uh, I fell into school transportation uh, by chance. Uh, I wanted to be in a job that had people in it, that had purpose, and that I could still be in a leadership position. And uh, I was able to walk in, even though I never had yellow school transportation experience, uh, I was able to walk in as an assistant director at Bethlehem Central School District, okay. which, which is about 24 miles south of us. And uh, from there, I... A couple of years later, I became a director. Uh, I spent 14 years with Bethlehem, uh, moved north uh, to my home district, which which is Shenandoah Central Schools, and I've been here for eight years as a director. Right on. No, I, I, again, just you know, I've, we talked to uh, a gentleman out of Texas a few episodes ago, and he had kind of a similar experience going through the military and trying to, you know, just it, it's always just interesting how people land in in this work right and i think the more that we can share the message of hey this is this is something that you know um professionals and business people that maybe want to get out of the the day-to-day -day or the nine-to-five and and do something with purpose and service and give back to your community you know all of that is is a powerful message for sure so thank you for uh sharing both your stories so tell me a little bit about um your district, just district size and kind of, you know, demographic as far as like, um, you know, students, fleet size, all of that, just to kind of give the listeners a little bit. Yeah, of absolutely. So Shenandoah uh, Central Schools uh, encompasses approximately 88 square miles. Uh, we're a suburb, uh, suburban type uh, school district. 
we have a fleet of 217 buses, 158 of those are type C's. The rest are type A's with about five uh, Suburbans. Uh, we have two shifts uh, of mechanics, a uh, total of about 13 mechanics. Uh, we are responsible for the transportation of uh, just a bit over 10,300 uh, students, both public and private. Uh, we travel, take kids to probably around 40 different uh, schools within our district and outside our district. A lot of them are either private parochial or uh, special needs uh, uh, schools. Uh, yeah, that's it. So, so it sounds like, you know, a pretty fairly large operation, at least compared to a lot of the operations that are here in, in Arizona, right? And we don't, I mean, there's a few of the, um, what we call unified school districts, which are K-12. Um, they're the ones that, you know, would obviously have a, a much larger size, but a lot of our schools are elementary only or high school only. So they're not transporting as much, but maybe this question's for Belinda, but like, what's the impact there of running? You know, you guys have so many drivers and so people obviously just naturally are going to have things going on in life, right? As a, from a dispatching and operation side, what's been your like biggest challenge of trying to, trying to get people to recognize that they need to come to school for however long the calendar year is and try and work around their, you know, their work schedule, but also just realizing that, you know, life happens. Um, yeah, it's really difficult. Uh, we're in school 180 days. Um, and yes, not everyone can be here 180 days, uh, but you quickly learn that you can't control that. So I try not to focus on how I can get them to come to work because they're not going to come to work no matter what I do. So I focus on um, how can I do without them? You know, I still have kids I need to get to school. I still have runs that I need to cover. You know, these folks aren't going to come in. Um, how, how am I going to get that done? So that becomes your focus uh, more than how can I get them to, to come to work because they're just, you know, sure. some people just aren't. Can you talk about just like the, like the, I guess the process that you that you, you, you know, people call in, you're already expecting, say, you know, five people to be off one day and, you know, another five call in. What's your what's your process look in the morning, you know, last minute between by the time you get in or your dispatchers get in and start like, oh, you know, a little panic, right? I've, I've been there for sure. But, um, you know, just can you talk us through kind of, you know, what your steps are? Yeah, absolutely. So the main thing I can um, say is planning and planning ahead. Uh, one of the things that we did do here when we realized the driver shortage and then we kind of knew COVID wasn't going to help the situation is we sat down and we looked at what our deficit is usually. And what I mean by that is how many people are out long term, um, you know, how many runs do we not have a driver assigned to them? And then from there, we build a plan, you know, what would 10 drivers out look like? What would 15? What would 20? What would 25? How would we cover it? And ultimately, what's our breaking point? What, you know, what is that number where I have to call, you know, Al or, you know, he's got to call our superintendent and say, yeah, we just, we're, we're, we're tapped. We, we have no other resources to pull from. So that was the first thing we did. Um, and then from there, each day, you know, you'd come in, you'd look at your roster of drivers who were out. Um, I would take, you know, start to cover those runs, take the call-ins that came in, um, and I'm, I'm a pretty quick thinker. <laughs> you kind of got to be yeah, in there. Absolutely. Um, so as you're already telling me you're not coming in, I'm thinking of five different ways of how I'm going to, uh, you know, fix that. So 
and and a lot of it is our routing too. So what we did was we would look at our routes um, and we would see how we could build our blocks. And, and what I mean by blocks is that's what we call, um, you know, Jason, you might have a high school, a middle school, and an yep. elementary that you do. That, that's your block right there. So how I can kind of divvy that up, if you will, to other people sure. who can do those. Um, we have lists of, you know, things that we can kind of put in places, people who can kind of do that extra work. So that's basically what my morning starts out like. You know, I pull up that plan of how many drivers I have out. Um, I start to pull their work and then I start to basically farm it out to whoever um, I can. And then another big piece of it is communication. So I would always be in contact with Al and the school administrators, as well as the parents in the community and letting them know, um, hey, listen, you know, all of our bus routes are running, but some of them are going to be running late, you know, expect some delays, call the office so we can give you more information. Sure. Well, it's... Go Al, you got something? Yeah, uh, I, so as part of planning, uh, Jason, uh, understanding that there's a driver shortage, understanding that COVID is having a huge impact on that as well. So we realized also that, look, we got to bake in some open time in the blocks uh, when we bid them last uh, August. So we actually put open time, and some people might say, well, that's inefficient. Uh, and I would totally agree with you. It's an efficient waste of uh, monetary resources if you're just looking at it in that sense. But for us, that's how Belinda got to know, OK, uh, Jason comes in every day. And I know Jason has uh, a 30 minute open uh, uh, piece on his block. I can fit this route, that route, whatever the case might be. He may run 10, 15 minutes late. That's sure. fine. But I know I can. So that, that's so. in between, like basically in between if I dropped off an elementary school and then I had 30 minute downtime in, for middle school. So you're, how do you like, obviously, how do you fit that when you're taking the routes from um, and trying to repiece them together for the summer? What does that look like as far as uh, I assume you're not changing the actual school times, right? Because they have their, their schedule locked in, but you're just recognizing, hey, I'm going to maybe pair you up with an elementary and then middle school, but you don't get a high school per se. So that way it kind of creates that time. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. So we start early. We start in the summer preparing for fall because we have so many uh, routes and that's exactly what we do. Um, we look at a block of time and then we say, you know what? Okay. We're going to put a high school in here and we're going to put this middle school in here. And yes, there's about an hour in between those two, but now I have that flexibility. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I know when somebody doesn't come in and they have an elementary school, I'm shoving it right in there yeah. and that person's going to help me out and, and do it. And and we look at all of our routes. We don't build them all that way because um, like Al said, it would be just, you know, inefficient to do that. Sure. And we don't have the drivers, you know, to, to cover everything as it is anyway. Um, But we built it that way because if we didn't, uh, we wouldn't be able to cover half of the stuff that we were able to this year. We were able to get every single person that wanted to ride to school. Yeah, to school. yeah so, for sure. No. The, the, the other piece about the plan, and, and Belinda alluded to that, you know, we, we had actual numbers in the plan. What does it look like at 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, up to 50? And each step along the way, uh, the dispatchers had to sit down and say, okay, this is who we're going to tap into. Uh, first, uh, as an example, right, mechanics, uh, then we hit maybe the, the, the two trainers we have. 
maybe after that, anyone in the office spaces who have uh, licenses. And uh, now, you know, we're up in the 40, 45. Now it's the assistant directors and the two dispatchers, uh, you know, uh, 50. It's everybody on the road. Sure. Uh, and of course, that communication piece is, as well. So I wanted to know, uh, I know where our tolerances is. So our tolerances is around 25 out per day. But if we hit 30, 33, 34, 35, 40, whatever, I want to know that every morning. And I want to communicate that to the uh, uh, superintendent. Uh, and we want to communicate to the community that some of your buses may be running. And the school principals also will know uh, that some of their buses might be running 10, 15 minutes late. Why is that so important? It's not just to let them know, but we also wanted to make sure kids were not being inappropriately uh what's the word i'm looking marked for absent. uh marked absent uh, through no fault of their own sure uh which was a big problem or a big issue for the parents and we recognize that we want to make sure that wasn't happening no it totally makes sense we're i so i'm, I'm no longer with the school district i actually work for um the insurance company that insures most of the school districts now in the state but very familiar with right just trying to kind of those overall dispatch operations when school People are out, right? The unexpected, um, you know, knowing who you can rely on and, and who you can, you know, hey, this route goes over here and they only have 30 kids on it. So can you, you know, can you squeeze these kids onto your bus so that we can try and limit the impact? But we also had routes where we're literally putting everybody together on one bus and it was caught. I mean, it was still causing the bus to be late because we had to go to two schools. And so somebody was always late right and so the community feels that the principals feel that they're saying hey these kids are getting late to school or they're having to wait 10 10 15 minutes in the afternoon to get picked up after the bell rings so um yeah i mean it's definitely challenging for sure you talked a little bit about covid and the impact there and i know that new york's had a lot more restrictions than a lot of the rest of the country what's that done for kind of i guess your employee like you know, how many people did you lose? Not necessarily, you don't have to give me a general, just a general number. I mean, just like, what has that done to your operations? So uh, eight years ago when I started, we had about 199 drivers and that number fluctuated two, three per year, right? On average, uh, we would uh, trip about 19 to 21 drivers per year for a lot of different reasons. Um, be it, you know, uh, re, uh, someone has just reached the retirement uh, time and they need to get out. Um, they want to go take care of family members. They're moving out of state. So a lot of different reasons why they left. But that, that's the average between 19 to 21 uh, drivers. And we were able to stay with that. COVID hits while well, that attrition rate continued plus. And what that plus up caused us is to drop down to about... I want to say we're about 185 drivers now. So we lost, you know, 10, 15 drivers that we have not been able to gain back. And what COVID also did besides causing a little bit higher attrition rate than normal, uh, it caused the foot traffic to dry up for replacements. Sure. Uh, and so we're doing everything we can. Our district uh, and, and not, you know, someone out there listening can uh, tell me otherwise. But uh, I, I had written an article, I believe, in 2016 in School Bus Fleet Magazine on six different low-cost or no-cost steps uh, to uh, 
attract and hire uh, uh, bus drivers. I also start uh, doing with my team um, uh, test drive the bus event. Uh-huh. And uh, that's been adopted not only here in the, in the capital region in New York, but I've gotten calls from around the country. Uh, others want to replicate it. That really has been a mainstay for us that has helped us keep our head above water. Every time we've done it, uh, we've got anywhere from 15 to about 25 uh, interested people. And of those, we always get like solid five, six drivers out of each one. So uh, it's been helpful, but still not enough to make up the difference of those who left. I think I saw your article uh, about six or six, maybe six years ago when you yeah. did when you talked about the drive the bus event and I shared it while I was still at the district I shared it with our insurance company uh, our transportation program manager and and said like hey can we do this right because I thought it was such a neat idea right putting people behind the wheel we had we had experience hiring people and then getting them through classroom and then they go out to the bus they're like oh this this is too big i can't do this right so now we've exhausted all those resources trying to get them in the door and then they just quit so like what a cool idea to have a closed course have a hiring event that gets people familiar and kind of excited about the bus and giving them an opportunity before even doing an interview. We actually were doing interviews on site um, inside a special needs bus. We set up a table and the air and everything because it was summertime, super hot. But, um, you know, just it, it's just different, right? Totally different type of atmosphere and job interview process for people that are excited about it. We've even got the news to come out and, you know, drive the bus on camera and try and encourage people to come out and see the event. So it's a uh, super, super cool to kind of connect the dots there. Cause I don't think I recognize that it was you that long ago. So, um, but yeah, so um, maybe back to Belinda on, on the people that, you know, when you're handing out routes or you're trying to, get through that like what's the impact been with the drivers that are there and constantly being used like do you see the morale level going man again like really i gotta do this no um thankfully we have a great great um staff and they if anything they're annoyed with their coworkers for not going to work as much as they should you know but they're they understand you know and, and they're happy to help us you know and they understand that you know hey we all have a job to do and the main thing is getting these you know, kiddos to school. So um, they have been wonderful, our, our drivers and attendants who have taken on um, and stepped up and taken on all this extra work and the extra runs because they are working long hours. Um, but they, they they have been great and their morale has been great too. Like I said, I think the most they've been um, just bummed that their their buddies are not, you know, yeah. stepping up too. You know, the, the support, Melinda's comments today, I told you we just had that quick safety meeting and recognition. We recognize a total now 27 employees who have perfect attendance this year. That is the highest uh, uh, in the memory of anyone who's been here. Uh, matter of fact, our assist, uh, current assistant director, she's been here 38 years. She's the one that told me, she said, Al, this is the highest boomer perfect attendance we've had ever. So that, that tells you that kind of, it actually supports what Belinda. Just yeah, said. absolutely. Do you guys do any kind of uh, or does the district do any, any type of incentive for perfect attendance or is that something that you guys just were kind of reward within the department, you know, through verbal or like a certificate of rec- recognition, something like that? Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's internal to the department. I wish, uh, you know, we can loosen up some monies, to be honest with you. Sure. But that, that's not within my power, and the district doesn't do it. But the, the one thing that I did, and, and this is, you know, again, probably from my experience in the military, recognizing people for their efforts goes a long way towards boosting morale, right? Absolutely. So one of the first things I did when I took this department over uh, is I started an awards program. And part of that uh, is to give these certificates. When I tell you these certificates, they're not your regular mill, you know, uh, run-of-the-mill paper you put in your copier. These are heavy, heavy stock paper, superimposed uh, 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 ribbon and and, and uh, uh, our uh, district logo. It, it's, you know, you can actually feel and touch these things, right? So it's not something that, that is cheap because that also affects that employee, you know, you know, if you get a piece of paper, ah, that's all they think of me, you know, yeah. this piece of paper, but you get something nice that has an effect on morale. Trust me, it does. And so we, we do that once a year, we have the director's award employee of the year award. We've worked hard. Belinda is the current uh, president of our New York association for people, transportation, local chapter, uh, uh, working with her, we recognize employees as either employee of the year uh, for the capital area chapter or uh, putting them up for um, scholarships to get their school bus driver instructor certification or the, their DMV examiner certification. So we do a lot of those things to help build the morale and keep it as high as, as we can to help us through these kinds of uh, you know, issues when they occur like the pandemic. Sure, definitely. So as far as, let's, I kind of want to go back to the, pro, like the process uh, or like how hard was it to train your dispatch, the other dispatchers that you have into the process, right? So I think some people just, when they fall into transportation, they just get it, right? They're like, okay, I can put it all together. But I think other people kind of tend to struggle and they don't necessarily understand or if they've never been a bus driver before right um bringing people in from the outside because they might have a different skill set trying to teach them what they're going to experience as far as call volume and radio traffic and you know just putting routes together how what's that been like to to train people your process that you guys created well i'll take a crack at it but jump in so we have three dispatchers on staff um, so that we at least we have two here at any one given time. Uh, their times overlap. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. Every person has their strength and has their weaknesses. And in any group, again, I learned this in the military, in, in any group, you always have a natural leader that, that pops up. Uh, and in this case, we do have one in Esmolinda, and that's the reason she's now our next assistant uh, director of transportation. So uh, the other two dispatchers are, are fine people. They, they both, you know, were, were uh, uh, school bus drivers uh, before and they got their uh, SBDI or school bus driver instructor certifications and 19A certifications and what have you. Uh, but again, they have their strength and they have their weaknesses. Uh, my job is to try to meld them all together, uh, try to get them to see uh, things differently instead of doing things that are uh, comfortable, uh, you know, get them to learn from each other. And we've had those growing pains uh, where, you know, there's resistance and, 
you know, you got to try to get people to, to buy into what it is you're, you're trying to sell and make them believe it's part of their decision making process. So we've had those uh, uh, struggles, but certainly the team overall has risen above a lot of uh, uh, that stuff and, and uh, are, are much, much stronger for that. Do you want to add to that? Yeah, exactly. And I think with the three of us, um, like I said, we all have our strengths and, and our weaknesses. Um, but what we're good at is we're good at um, each one of us knowing what that strength is and contributing that strength. So what I mean by that is, you know, the three of us will talk, Al might say, we need to move in this direction. And that's it. And then he kind of lets us because we're in the day to day activity of it. We're doing it day to day. He lets the three of us kind of figure out what that's going to look like. So we will get together and we say, okay, you know, um, I'm, I'm early morning. So here's how I need this to look, you know, and then the midday and the afternoon and we'll all kind of contribute um, how we need it to look and then go from there and kind of meld it so that it's one, you know, sure. synchronized plan that we all can work with. Well, it's good that you're all on the same page, right? Cause I think that, you know, I've seen operations where, one dispatcher says, we're going to do it this way, or they, you know, the morning operation goes one way and the afternoon operation goes a completely different way. So just, you know, everybody kind of, I get, from a standpoint of everybody connecting with each other, then your staff knows that, hey, we're not really playing like mom versus dad here, right? We're, we know we're going to get the same consistent answer across the board. So definitely, uh, definitely agree to that. What would say your, your biggest challenge this year was, you know, just maybe a specific day that that rings out in your head of like, man, this was, this was probably very like just emotionally draining for us today. Um, I think it was probably the day we had our, our highest was what? 45, 45 drivers, 45. Wow. And I'm the early morning. So um, the phone starts ringing at four o'clock the minute I unlock the door and I walk in and I know it's going to be a bad day when I walk in my office and the phone's already <laughs> ringing. So I think by the time I left there, yeah, the hair was standing up because the phone just would not stop. So I no sooner got to figure out how I was going to cover one person and the phone was ringing and ringing, ringing, waiting for the, you know, the three or four others that were waiting to call in for me. So th that was for me, that was probably the hardest because, like I said, the early morning um, shifts, you know, you don't have a lot of time to kind of prepare. It's, it's sure. prepare as much as you can the day before and then you're on the fly the morning up. So you got to always um, be quick thinking on your feet, you know, putting out the fires before yep. they even start, you know, once they start to spark, you're kind of already your, your mind's going on, on how you're going to fix this. And then on top of it, you know, making sure I communicate with Al and the parents and everybody else that I need to communicate of what's happening. So sure. That was probably my most trying day, but we did get it all covered and um, we got through it as we always do. So yeah. That was a win in the end. And, you know, you, you talked earlier, Jason, about, uh, you know, dispatchers, one doing it one way, the other doing it the other way. And I've worked with dispatchers when the pressure is on, they quickly resort to the easiest things to do to get their day going, right? And, and I, Belinda uh, unknowingly did that by calling me one morning <laughs> saying she needed me to come to drive. And, uh, of course, that was not a, a nice conversation that we had. And I think from that, she learned that there are other ways to do the job. Am I right? You want yeah. to explain that? Like... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when Al first got here, you know, our thing, everybody, it's always all hands on deck here. So there isn't anything you can ask 
someone to do that they wouldn't be willing to do. That you know, we're we're a pretty good team here. No matter what anybody um, is asked to do, they do it. So you know, Al is the same way. So it was you know one of my first like you know couple dispatching. Like I was pretty new. I, w- I was I was new at it. Um, I just got hired and. Um, we were down, you know, and I had exhausted my sub list and, you know, exhausted what I thought, you know, I could do. So I, I looked at, you know, Bernie, who is the current assistant director who dispatches with me in the morning. And I said, you know, I, I'm going to have to call him to come in. Like, you know, I still have two runs to cover and there's three of us. So two of us are going and one of us is staying here. And, you know, you can stay in dispatch, Bernie, and Al and I will go out on the road. So I called him. <laughs> And uh, needless to say, I I thought of um, I started to think outside of the box more after yeah. that, <laughs> and and started to plan more. Okay, you know, so that's my last resort. That's you know the place is burning. Um, I absolutely have nobody else to drive. Yeah. Um, you know, then then we'll then we'll send Al out for that. You know, one kid or yeah. Something. So you know, the, the lesson I wanted to, to teach is if the blinders are on and you're only seeing the easy way out. You'll never see other possibilities. Sure. So take the blinders on. There are other possibilities. Oh, and yeah. To her credit, she saw those possibilities. I did not drive that. Yeah. Motor. Yeah. And she I can I can see when you guys are, you know, from from my past experiences, being able to not only give a whole route to another driver, but even be able to piece out a route and put, you know, two stops. You're going to pick up these two stops. You're going to pick up these three stops. You're going to grab these kids and so on and so forth, both in the morning and the afternoon, trying to use the schools to say, look, we need to split this whole bus up. Um, you know, we've had to do it over time. We've had to go mid-year where we're literally breaking routes down because we lost drivers, you know, either through a medical leave or something like that, where it's like, hey, this is going to be a long-term impact. We need to do this because I think the the moral of the story, at least for me, is, right, use your drivers where you can before tapping your mechanics, before tapping your office staff, because, All of those people, even though they're willing to do it and they hold their credentials to go drive, they have their own eight-hour-a-day job to do. And when they're out driving for six hours a day or five hours a day, their stuff isn't getting done, right? So now, whether or not you guys allow overtime or your people are salaried employees and now it's the – you got to get it done when you – or, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And that's that's the way that it rolls. Um, 12, 13, 14-hour days – shouldn't you know shouldn't be happening there's a lot of that goes into the emotional health the you know emotional well-being of people and just you know wearing them down by i mean seems like november everybody's just fully taxed and it's like we got we got five six months to still go to school at least here you know up until may and so i think that's what causes people to quit or just stop caring or just you know what i'm i'm driving and so now my workload sacrifices because they can't figure out how to make it happen you know so um, pretty, pretty interesting for sure. For sure. I'm a, um, I like a challenge. I'm one of those people. So, you know, Al would always tell us, you know, use the mechanics if you have to, but you know, like you just said, Jason, you know, we don't, we don't want to pull them, especially if we're pulling from their ships because, you know, that, ex- that, you know, affects their schedules and our bus maintenance schedules, you know, and our DOT and all that. So, you know, I would, I would text Al and say, we're down 35 and I didn't use a mechanic, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I, that was my goal, you know, after yeah. a while, like to figure out, like you said, start to think outside the box. Yes, I can pull these people because it's yeah. easy and they're there and they'll do it. 
but you know what, let me see if I can figure that out. So sure. yeah, I would send him those text messages, uh, you know, we had to use one trainer today or, or something. Yeah, you, you're, you're familiar with John Taffer? Uh, I'm not. Uh, on Bar Rescue? It's a oh, show. yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I love the I love his his saying, right? I'm about I am about solutions, not excuses. Yeah, I want solutions, yeah. and they've heard me say that before. I know what the problems are. You don't need to come in my office and tell me what all your problems. I know what they are. Yeah. What I need from you, and this is why I hired you, right? Is, are solutions yep. to those problems, and that's how they. That's how our team thinks. Yeah. Right. Well, which is how everybody should think. Right. I mean, everybody can say we could sit on this podcast and and, you know, bitch all day about what problems are that we you know, that that everybody's experiencing. But the, the whole point is to share your solution so that other people can say, you know what, I didn't think about that. And so, right. I mean, that's really that's really the idea is just, you know, we just I just got back yesterday from our um, summer, our our transportation administrators of Arizona. So it's kind of a version of of NAPT but our affiliate with them but our state right. one for our administrators um and trainers and whatnot so week-long conference so I mean that's really what it's about right the networking piece the hearing about hey how are you overcoming these challenges and um you know both rural and urban and you know I think a lot of the rural people have a different perspective than the urban people because they have you know a lot smaller operations versus the extra hands on deck that they can tap for mechanics or trainers or office staff to go drive, right? Versus, hey, I flat, I have one mechanic and I have one person in the office and we have five routes to cover. Like, what do you do? So, um, very interesting. I, I do have a question since you're in New York. Do you find that you get more call outs, particularly like in the wintertime when it's like a, you know, snowstorm or like, say, not a, necessarily a, a snow day? I assume you guys still get those, but, you know, when it's just, damn cold out and you're like mm, i don't feel like getting out of bed today do you do you see that like kind of a rise and uh impact more impactful in the winter time when it's when it's super cold yeah for sure you can always tell when the weather is changing here um by the amount of people who call in so it influxes um when it starts to get the first time it starts to get cold and then it starts to um go up again the first time it starts to get nice. <laughs> yeah. You want to go out and enjoy the nice weather and not come to work. So sure. yeah, you can tell the season changing here by, by the amount of people who gotcha. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, just a funny question. So I, I, I want to kind of transition to the um, NYAPT, uh, both your roles just in it and um, what I guess you're, since we just, again, fresh out of our conference, what your role is and um, kind of what NYAPT does, um, you know, for in the state there. I think they're, uh, so yeah, Belinda, maybe since you're the president chapter or chapter president. Yes. Uh, so I'm a, the president of the capital area chapter, which is um, just a little branch of the NIAP tree. And um, so we have about 96 school districts in, in our chapter that we represent. And, and we basically just, you know, advocate and uh, for, for transportation, whether it be safety, professional development, um, just all, all things uh, school bus. Um, we also will hold uh, webinars or roundtables, you know, meetings, and, and we discuss a lot of this stuff. We discuss a lot of, um, you know, what people are doing to overcome, you know, going through the pandemic or, you know, what's coming down the, the, the pipe legislative wise, what that might look for each of each district, how they're handling it. Um, kind of like what we're doing now, just a discussion, trying to figure out, oh, hey, I never tried that. 
Um, most recently, what we you know we're always diving into the driver shortage. Uh, we kind of piggybacked off of Shen uh, with the test driver bus and organized uh, a chapter wide one. So we had 13 different districts uh, participate in that on the same day at the same time held the test driver bus event. Um, we got the media to come. We got local legislators to come and state legislators to come um, so that we can talk about things that we feel um, might help uh, the driver shortage. Uh, the most recent, Al had a big part in it, was the, the salary cap for retirees. Here we have a salary cap for oh, state wow. retirees. Um, you know, we, we were advocating for and proposed uh, an increase to that. Um, and the governor went and actually lifted it altogether. Uh, for this year only, I believe. Yeah, as a year, um, so one-year trial. Yeah. So, I mean, it. you know, will it solve it permanently? No, but, it, you know, it's a nice shot in the arm. It's a nice step in the right direction um, for us for that. Yeah, but, another big thing under uh, Belinda's leadership that we just uh, finished, uh, you're familiar with the uh, FMCSA uh, entry-level driver oh, training? Yep, program. definitely. So, uh you know, instead of each district struggling to try to figure out and actually put a program together. So uh, under Belinda's leadership, uh, we got a, a working group from the various districts. And then one of our trainers uh, volunteered to uh, oversee the actual work uh, and uh, it culminated into a training package that we shared out with all the districts. Uh, which they can change however they want, uh, make it fit their own, lo uh, you know, locale. But they got a working program uh, so that they can meet the LDP requirements oh. and the, the New York State SED requirements and the DMV requirements sure. and all that. And it's working out pretty well. That sounds great. Like you said earlier, Jason, about smaller districts and larger districts. Um, you know, that's a big help to smaller districts, like you said, who their their supervisors and directors are out driving runs, you know, yeah. we're fortunate enough to have, you know, being a little bit of a larger district in a better position where we have, you know, head trainers and we're not always driving. So we have the time um, to do those things and to help, you know, our colleagues out who don't. So, you know, that's one of the big things that I like to, to focus on as the president of the chapter is looking at those districts and seeing what their needs were. You know, and how can other districts help each other? You know, Definitely. the smaller ones and the bigger ones help the smaller ones and vice versa, if that's possible. So yeah. we were able to do that, which was, which was great. Which, which I totally get. I just finished up my, well, my, my final term of, uh, our, as a past president for our, for TAA. So this was yesterday was my last day on the board, but transitioning to a different seat, uh, through the, the trust or which is where I work, um, that, they are where we created last year we, through TAA, we created an educational partnership with our insurance company so that they could help kind of facilitate that. And, and uh, they have actually done similar to what you guys did as far as creating a training program uh, or at least material for all of the school districts to utilize, right? I think when ELDT came out, there's a lot of these training companies that were, you know, just figuring out how to make a buck, right? So they created programs and they're selling it for, you know, however many thousands of dollars to, to a district if you want it. And it's like, you know, a lot of it, I think, tailored more to commercial trucking, right? Not necessarily school bus. And so I think that it's, it's really cool to hear how the organization came together and recognized like, hey, again, I mean, we see that here is this everybody's struggling to figure out how to everybody train. They know what their minimum requirements are to train, but there's not like a 
I mean, there is a manual to follow, but it's so outdated that it's like, okay, we need to, somebody needs to come together and do that, and who's the one to do it, right? So seeing that the, uh, you guys putting together through the organization, uh, very super cool and very helpful. Al, I assume you're involved with it as well? So uh, uh, to be truthful with you, I used to be involved in NIAP uh, quite a bit, but I past couple of three years, uh, I backed off of that involvement. I'm really more involved on the local level. Uh, I, for me, I just find it easier to do that. Uh, our chapter, because we're located just north of uh, uh, the uh, capital of the state of New York, where all the legislatures are, uh, we're pretty vocal, a, a pretty vocal chapter, a chapter that's involved we're always inviting uh, assembly people and state senators and uh, pushing the media to keep the spotlight on school transportation and, you know, issues facing us. So uh, because we have a strong chapter, I, I should just start focusing on that more and, you know, let others that are coming up in the system, uh, you know, take our spots sure. on the state level and, and, and do their thing. Good. Good. So uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, I want to, just ask you one more question to both of you what's is in your time that you've been here the to see where where school transportations come uh this far what's the probably let's say the most exciting thing that you're inter that you're interested in or the most uh the thing that you're most excited about to see for school transportation in say the next five years well obviously for me it's it's exciting and it's also a time of anxiety, to be honest with you, and that is uh, the electrification of the school bus. Yep. Uh, I, I was hoping that the government would just allow the change to take place within the free market system. Uh, I, I'm for electrifying buses, but I think uh, the way the government is going at it, I think is going to backfire on them because there's not enough building capacity to build that many buses in such a short period of time as sure. been articulated by both the federal and the state government. So that's where the anxiety comes from. That's number one. Number two, uh, there's a misnomer out there that there's a lot of free money. It's a lottery system. I don't know when the last time you won a lottery, <laughs> you know, for, for us, we're on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to that lottery because right. we're rich of a district yep. too rich to be poor and too poor to be rich uh so the focus is not on districts like us sure. so how in hell are we gonna change the fleet uh between now and 2035 based on a quote a lottery system i'm excited about that because i i do believe electric vehicles do have a place uh, uh to play uh and uh you know we're we're, we're starting our a forward march not as fast as everybody else we're taking our time about it to be methodical about it uh but we are moving in that direction uh starting uh actually this year right we sorry i totally hear that we obviously at our conference this week it's been a big uh push for ev um there you know every vendor had an ev bus there or two ev buses that um, you know, they wanted to show off and obviously with the grant monies that are out there and available, right. Everybody's trying to figure out like how this works out, 
However, it still doesn't cover the entire cost of the bus. It doesn't cause, cover the entire cost of the infrastructure. Like when you're talking about, you know, again, this we could do a whole thing on on why this is it's a good thing for the future, but it's not a good thing for right now, especially for rural districts that um, aren't necessarily like they need a bus. But now you're limiting your range and how your use of that bus can be used, right? If you if you need a bus, you need to transport as many kids as possible. You need to go as far as possible, right, for trips or athletics or whatever. Um, and now you're saying, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this vehicle because I, because I uh, I'm able to through this grant or I got I won the lottery. Now you still need to go in and put the infrastructure in. Now where do I charge it? Will it charge up fast enough between the morning and the afternoon, right? There's there's so many thoughts and processes that people need to go through. And I think that, you know, they, it's just interesting because the community and the school boards, you know, they, they hear that there's all this federal money available and, and it's available to us. And, you know, just the people that don't live in the day-to-day operations of school world, like, uh, or school bus world is... They're the decision makers, clearly, but if they're not understanding that, well, I'm only getting to this much and I still have to pay this much, well, that much that you have to pay could buy a whole nother bus, right? I mean, that's really what it kind of boils down to. So super interesting that... Uh, you know, we, we have we have a, a Suburban. Uh, it's a yellow Suburban with school bus sign on it that goes from, all, from here, from Clifton Park to Rochester, New York. So if you know New York, it's pretty wide. Uh, to get to Rochester, it's about uh, about five hour ride. Now, it, so if we go 100% electric, right? I don't know of a vehicle that can make that range round trip. Nope. Okay, so they can they they charge. Are they going to be fast chargers at the halfway point to recharge that suburban so I can get it back? Uh, I mean, those folks are on the road ten hours. Yeah. That's what I stopping for fuel. <laughs> yep. No, I, I agree. And, and, you know, we were, uh, some of our vendors and I were talking about just like, what does that look like? If you're, if you're driving, you got to leave, then you go, you know, say two hours or an hour till your next charging point. Now you're sitting around with 65 kids on a bus or they got to go figure out something to do for a couple hours while you, you know, while you charge. And here in Arizona, the, the infrastructure is just not built out yet to make it. Um, and I mean, just throwing the heat, the, you know, depending on where you're at in Arizona, where, you know, we either have the desert or we have some ranges that, you know, sit up over seven, 8,000, um, feet elevation. So very mountainous and, um, you know, forest high, you know, high, high desert, high forest. Uh, so climbing those hills and everything, like it's all going to be about how the drivers drive. And, and I just, again, I think that we're just, we're not there yet. And I don't know why. I mean, I understand why, but I just don't know why, right? And I think that a lot of people have been sharing. I was just talking to the Cummins rep uh, the other day. A lot of people have been sharing that, you know, by 2027, Cummins supposedly is saying that they're not going to be able to keep up with the the zero emissions push or whatnot. So does that mean that they fall out of the market like Cat did a few years ago? Um, you know, so now are we just driving gasoline engines or alternative fuels, right? There's There's other options out there, but I think that it's just – you know, what's truly going to happen. So I feel, I feel your anxiety, even though I'm, I'm not really in the school, um, uh, working in the school district anymore, but maybe you'll transition to Belinda. You're the, something that you're most excited for. Um, for me, the technology. So I remember, and Al remembers too, you know, push pins and, and strings to do your routing and, sure. and you know, maps and, 
um, handwritten directions. And it's just, I, I like watch, I like how it unfolds and evolves from that time. So now we're actually, you know, where we can print stuff to where we're at, you know, apps that can actually, you know, the parent can see where the bus is and stuff like that. So for me, um, you know, it, it's the new technology that they just keep coming up with and coming out with to make, uh, you know, like first light with their, you know, illuminated yeah, stuff. Love those. Stuff. Yep. Amazing, right? Yep. I, I mean, it's just, it's that stuff um, that I just love. And I'm excited to see what they keep coming yeah. out with. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've only been in this for 12 years, but seeing just where we've come in a decade, you know, is uh, for sure pretty exciting. I, I've had so many vendors on here to talk about the, you know, the new stuff and just hearing their stories and whatnot. Um, definitely the parent apps are super helpful. I think that cut down from a dispatch perspective, we rolled that out a couple of years ago and, um, really scaled back on our phone calls that we're getting the parent app to actually see at the beginning of the year, right? Hey, if I just go in and log in with my kid's ID number and his birth date, we can pull up their bus information without having to go to meet the teacher night. If you don't want to, to meet the transportation table or get a postcard in the mail that gets mailed back, right? There's, it's just, uh, simplifying, helping simplify, um, the process of how we communicate with parents. So for sure, I love it. Any final thoughts from either of you just uh, on anything in general? Uh, no, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Hopefully, uh, you know, we given you and your listeners some uh, good ideas yeah, out there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, our, our uh, I, I try to tell the story all the time that school transportation is a very complex operation. Until you actually are in it, you'll never understand it. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. um, but I, I love it. I love this job. I love that every day we accomplish it without, uh, you know, major incidents or accidents. Thank God. And um, you know, I'm looking forward to the day I, I, I retire, and hopefully it'll be done. Uh, you know, again without any uh, major mishap. So that, that's what I work for every day. I got a, a great team. We all work well together here. And all, all I would, you know, uh, uh, convey to our colleagues out there is work together. No one has uh, the solutions to everything. We have to bring our synergy together and always be solution oriented. We know what the problems are. We, we don't want to waste our brain cells on the problems. We need to waste <laughs> our brain cells on the solutions. Yeah, for sure. And it's a, a great message to end on is um, just the, you know, the networking and the, the peer sharing and, you know, we don't all have to reinvent the wheel. We can just, you know, be be humble enough to, to steal ideas from people and just, you know, keep rolling with it. So I uh, definitely appreciate both of you taking the time out of your Friday. I hope you have a wonderful summer. Um, good luck with summer school, and uh, hopefully we can keep in touch, all right? You got it, Jason. Take care. Thank you both. Take care. See you later. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off. <laughs>